Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap. This is May 13th. It's the list in ya, boy. It's a busy week. There's a lot going on. Jimmy. You know yeah. Hey. When this when this whole thing started, everybody was like, ah, oh, there's not going to be any news. Not going to yeah. be any news. Yeah. It's been three of our busiest months ever, which, I mean, in, in weekdays, it's been busy. I've actually been able to get some weekends off here and there, but when those weekdays hit, they're busy. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's been really, really busy. And, you know, I was wondering, oh, man, I'm going to have one page of content for, uh, no. for the podcast every week. I got like five pages. Yeah. So well, we also crazy. have several super chats. If you're watching live on youtube.com slash fightful, which you should be watching it live, go ahead and donate a super chat any amount. Get your question or statement read on the air. Our dude, Throwback27, already has one in, says, At work, hanging out, listening to the King SRS, and the man Jimmy Van at work makes working on cars better. What do you guys think is Regal's announcement tonight, and no way Jose will lose tonight? Well, no way Jose has pulled out of Quizzlemania. Uh, I guess he had decided he's taken too many losses of late and didn't want to take another one <laughs> come 4 p.m. Eastern. All due respect to him. Are you what- not humble, Sean, today? They they just don't have anybody. They just don't have anybody. They they've stacked the deck and they've put three of those wrestle talk guys against me. They're really grasping. This is like when back when John Cena used to have to face people in a fourteen on one handicap match on Raw. Yeah. The yeah. wrestle talk authority is trying their best to get me off their show. But what do you think Regal's announcement's gonna be tonight? Well, hopefully it's not that Adam Cole is pregnant. That would be something. Yeah, that would that would put uh, a wrench in the plans of the NXT title. Otherwise, I don't know. Um, let me see. They still what what titles do they still not have access to? The UK titles. UK titles don't really uh, matter. But uh, yeah, the cruiserweight. They don't really they're doing yeah, the yeah. tournament for the cruiserweight title. The tag titles. Already, yeah. Matt Riddle's doing his thing with uh, Timothy Thatcher. So I couldn't imagine that would be it. But, uh, man, it, it's really hard to tell. I think they, they might announce maybe a special or something. But that's just me wagering a guess. But yeah, uh, yeah. Throwback27 also says, with Becky Lynch bringing, uh, with Becky Lynch somewhat retiring for the current time being, who do you think will have a run close to what Becky had? Was Jimmy surprised at Otis winning Money in the Bank and the idea of tag belt, uh, or the tag belts being cashed in on is a great idea? I think the idea of the tag belts being cashed in would be a great idea if they meant more. Uh, they, they have fun matches, but uh, I, I like the idea. I just need to see some some fine-tuning on it. Yep. Uh, I think that um, it is going to be Otis cashing in on the Intercontinental title. Really? Yeah. Uh, the reason I think that is, uh, number one, he's a babyface. Uh, the cash-in's not as interesting uh, Braun Strowman, usually in, in this situation, if, if the guy with the briefcase is a babyface, then the champion's a heel, uh, so that you can have the, the, you know, the fun cash in. 
I don't see Braun losing anytime soon. They could do the screw up thing where, you know, Bray Wyatt lays him out and then Otis runs out and cashes in. They could. I don't see Otis as the world champion. So uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but but I could see, you know, potentially, let's say Dolph Ziggler wins the Intercontinental title uh, and Otis cashes in on him or I, I could see, see something that. like that. Yeah, I could see something like that. The tag team title thing, I think, is a good idea. But I saw an interview with Otis where he acknowledged he's probably going to be single for a while now. Yeah. So and, that tells and me. The thing is, like, if they do these both quick, I think they should have a Money in the Bank briefcase on the show. I think in light of what happened with Oscar, they should just say, hey, we want to pop a rating for SmackDown. Let's do another Women's Money in the Bank ladder match here at the Performance Center. I think that would make a lot of sense to do that. That way you have a little bit of flexibility there. As far hey, you know as, what? Because of the brand extension, why not have Otis on both shows? Maybe you could try to cash in on Drew, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. Because initially they had said, oh, well, maybe not. But mm, I, we'll see how that goes. As far as who could have a Becky-type run, Bianca Belair is the one that stands out to me. Yep, and it's funny because this was the second thing on my list today was talking about who's going to be the new Becky Lynch of Raw. Mm -hmm. uh, and the way I look at it, there's really only three choices, Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, or Zelina Vega. And Zelina Vega can go, don't get me wrong, but she's better in her role, I think, now. Yeah. Uh, Bianca Belair is the choice, I think. Liv Morgan, Liv Morgan's got potential too, but, you know, of course they cut the legs off around her with Charlotte. So Bianca Belair, I think, is the choice. I don't know what the hell has happened to her. I thought her and Street Profits were great mm -hmm. as an act. And then now they got her on main event. But this opens up an this opens up an opportunity for sure. Yeah. So I see Zelina as more of a manager that, that can wrestle here and there yes. than yes. than somebody. I mean, I think she said less than two hundred matches in her career, and she's been around for a decade. So when you're wrestling about twenty thirty matches per year, it shows that you can you can go and somebody has confidence in you, and they should because she's a great performer. But I think that she'll be more. Somebody who brings people in and, and gives them instant credibility, or at least for two weeks, she'll give them credibility. Bianca is the one that stands out to me. Liv Morgan, I, I like that idea too. I think she would be a really good one. My my thing is, why not both? Why not yeah. both? Because <laughs> I mean, that's what they could. used and, to do. And you know what? Oscar's had a hell of a run. Now, obviously, her English is limiting, and and you know, Oscar can never be Becky Lynch because of her English. But look at the run she's had, Sean. Like, she's had an incredible run on the main roster. So uh, she's someone that could step up to the plate, too, and, and, uh, and you know, take some of that spotlight. But again, with her English, she'll never be in that position. Yeah, and Bianca Belair, she stands out as one that just understands it. She, I mean, again, she's got some fine-tuning to do in the ring that she will do as, as experience comes along. But that that's the one that stands out to me. Uh, Tim Traver says, Happy Hump Day, Fightful, definitely. Happy hump day to you too. And he said, and Matthew Garrett says, showing love, keep going, homies. Uh, any, anything else? I mean, obviously, Becky Lynch, we're talking about it right now, so we might as well just continue talking about it. Announced her pregnancy on Monday. That's, that's a big deal. That, that's. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, you know. You know what's funny is, is they were predicting when this whole thing started that by the time it's done, there's going to be a lot of pregnancies and a lot of yeah. divorces. Yeah. And uh, and and there you go. I mean, I let's be honest. I mean, this is this is big news for her and for Seth Rollins, and you can see the emotion in Becky, and she doesn't usually showcase that kind of emotion on television. So obviously, this is this is a big thing for her, and and uh, having a child is a blessing. And I can tell you that as a guy who hated kids my whole life, and now I got two, and they're the best thing in my life. So. It's a blessing, but I will say this, though. For Vince McMahon, this is bittersweet. And obviously, he's going to be, you know, you're, you're my, you know, longtime star, and I, I support you, and congratulations, and it's great news. This is bittersweet, and if Vince McMahon doesn't say it's bittersweet, then he's lying, because your biggest female star, arguably, Charlotte's up there, too, but your, your biggest female star and one of the biggest stars in your company is now gone indefinitely. Uh, and once, once she has the kid and once she comes back, she's not going to want to work a regular schedule anymore. So, yeah. and she might not, she might not want to take a lot of bumps anymore. Like, cause she might be, you never know what her mindset's going to be. Yeah. I mean, you know? this, this is a woman who did retire for years at one point. Right. And already right. had her, her foot in the door for acting with, with apparent uh, interest from, from Hollywood and Marvel and, and all that, uh, Joe or Joe Holbert and 
Uh, Jeremy Lambert did a great job covering that on the Distraction podcast about uh, Becky Lynch's interest from from the acting world already. But yeah, the thing is, you just never know how somebody's going to react to it. You might have someone who wants to create a body of work for their kids to see. You might have someone who, Becky Lynch, when her kid's five or six and Maybe she hasn't wrestled that much, and her kid takes a look and says, Mommy, you used to do that? And she's like, I'll show you that I can still do that type of thing, because we have seen that happen multiple times. Often, yep. uh, Goldberg credits his return to letting his kids see what he could and apparently couldn't do in the <laughs> ring. And <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a lot of them, I mean, Trish Stratus, uh, yeah. I mean, she loved the business, but but also her kids were old enough that they could watch her, Beth Phoenix, it's and and even Edge, like Edge, you know, wanted us because we'll be able to see him too. But uh, I do think when she comes back now, it's going to be different now. And Seth Rollins, who knows if he's going to want to be full time? Yeah, uh, like, you I, never know. You never know. I'll tell you what: if they wanted to relocate to Orlando, you could have a lot worse people working in the performance center full time than Becky Lynch helping out people too, especially especially women there. I mean, it's you got Shawn Michaels there right now, and there's some good and some bad with that, but. You don't get the likes of Trish Stratus and Lita and people who have been to the tip, tip, top working with younger talent a lot. Lita did for a while, but that would that would be really, really awesome. Uh, I just I think there's a plethora of opportunities for Becky Lynch. She can do about anything she wants after this is this is done, and if she becomes a part timer, eh, whatever. I do think it's funny though. Last week she had put herself. On the cover of the Part Timer magazine, uh, I wonder if that was a hint. Might have been. I think so too. Obviously, she knew. Yeah. Like I, I don't know how far along she is, but typically you don't announce it until you're three months. Yeah, due in December. Oh, is that confirmed? Yes. Okay. Due in December. Okay. Okay. What's the math on that? How far along is she? Right around, right around the time that WrestleMania filmed or aired, it, depending on how late into into it it, it was, but. Uh, Matthew Garrett says, who do you think WWE should call up or put the machine behind to help turn things around? Drew is great on Raw. SmackDown needs life support. So, Jimmy, I pay attention to the YouTube numbers a lot, not because it tells you how many people are watching something, but it's good as a comparison tool to see who is watching something and who isn't watching something. Drew McIntyre is hitting a level on Raw of his YouTube numbers that... No active wrestlers had been getting to except for Roman Reigns. Braun Strowman, a million consistently at the beginning of the Bray Wyatt feud, it had petered off significantly towards the end. I think that ultimately the thing is they got, they just have to build stars. It's been the same old story we've been talking about for over three years on this podcast. They have to build the stars to be better than the marquee. It, that's just, that's it. Yep, yep. Um, I man, we're we're kind of jumping all over to to different points. We got super make. chats, man. We got super <laughs> chats. <laughs> okay. Well, let me let me say this first. So uh, they've announced that they are at least temporarily suspending the brand extension, and I heard that and I thought, all right. On the one hand, they've got limited rosters, mm -hmm. and so by getting rid of the brand extension, now you can have more guys per show, especially raw when you got three hours to fill. So I can kind of uh, accept that aspect as long as it's temporary and then when things open up again they get more guys back and then they go back to the brand extension the problem is again is that when i heard that news i thought this is Mr. man's mo this is what he's done time and time again when the ratings are down he's got no answers so the ratings are down and it's like ah let's uh let's do quote-unquote dream matches you know we used to joke around about i thought the survivor series was the only night of the year yada yes. yada yada so, but this is his mo. It's like let's let's uh, let's let's book dream matches. Let's give them dream matches, and we'll put the two brands together again. It's not going to do shit. Yep. And and you know the th the other thing that's very interesting to me and very telling is so they end at least temporarily the brand extension. Who are the first two talents that are jumping brand, Sean? That they've announced Baron, Baron Corbin. Corbin and Charlotte Flair. Charlotte, who is already on two brands. It was already on two brands, right? So now she's got the trifecta. But it's funny because we've long talked about who it's very obvious who kind of like the corporate favorites are. Uh, now, Charlotte is, is a different case because I think Charlotte's a hell of a talent. I think she's the biggest star female-wise in the company. I think she's arguably the greatest of all time. Uh, so she's different. Baron Corbin is not a needle mover. Nobody gives a shit nope. about Baron Corbin. 
but he he's liked by the office because you know he was the he was the uh, authority figure guy and all that kind of crap. So now they're going to have him and Drew. No one gives a shit about that Nobody. match. Nobody. And, the- and so if, if if in your mind you're thinking this is what we have to do in order to turn the corner, it's it's just not going to happen for you. It's not. Like what makes what makes them think that we're excited to tune in for that match because they because they were involved in a in a really shitty stable. Like here's the thing. At least with Jinder and Drew, we know there's history and they're friends and they had a similar path. With Baron Corbin, nobody cared enough. Nobody yeah. cared about their path because they, they just wanted them off TV. It was yep. so frustrating and so annoying. And just... Nobody cares about Baron Corbin. And, and, and you know the unfortunate thing is, and I've never really been a Corbin guy, and I, I think when they called him up I said uh, – I can't remember what I said, but something about uh, he's, I don't see money in him kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I will say this about Baron Corbin. There are certain elements to him that are good. You know, like his finish is really good. Love it. And he also has a sense of humor, you know? Like there are times that he'll throw out a funny one-liner or something like that. He's got that that quality to him. The problem is he looks like a goof mm-hmm. with the stupid crown and the cape and everything. And they've already kind of taught their audience, this is the guy that you throw out when you got a celebrity – uh, and they got to beat up a wrestler. This is the guy you throw out when, say, The Rock comes back and you got to beat up a wrestler. When you need to embarrass somebody, that's the choice. Mm-hmm. And that's what you've trained your audience. And between that and the goofy uh, getup, no one gives a shit about Baron Corbin. If they did the whole Paul Heyman accentuate the strengths like we've talked about, and if you highlighted the fact that he's got a phenomenal finish, he's gotten better in the ring, but he's got a phenomenal finish, and he's actually got a decent sense of humor, maybe you could get something out of him. But King Corbin, no one gives a damn. And the delivery, King. the delivery is miserable. I'm not excited to whatever promo he's going to cut on Friday about this. Right. It's just, right. yeah, it's not good. It's not good, man. And I, but, I'm, uh, when I when I see that, I'm like, okay, so he was their answer to this. You couldn't have just found somebody else. It's I don't understand it's, it. Is the corporate? It's it's obvious he's one of the favorites of the office. That's just how it is. And and again, that's why it was no shock that the first you know female or the first Raw talent being announced for SmackDown is Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair is of course one of the favorites of the office, mm-hmm. and so and they're going with her. But again, I don't mind her so much because she's awesome. I think Charlotte Flair is phenomenal. Well, if, if and, maybe if Corbin won matches, he would be awesome too. That's the thing. And get rid of the crown and get rid of the cape. And, yeah, he you know. if he's just a guy that's out there with a cape and a crown and he gets beaten, embarrassed, and he's like. What? I'm six foot five, two hundred and eighty pounds, but I don't want to fight anybody, really. Yeah. Oh my god, and that delivery, like I said, that delivery is miserable. Uh throwback yeah. throwback twenty seven sends another super chat. He says with Becky now away and the positive reaction, what do you think of Stone Cold Shayna Baszler's comments about Becky's pregnancy? It was wrong in oh, some. Oh, who the dad is? You mean? No, hold on. It was it was wrong in some instances, but extremely cold hearted. Also, the IC tourney will NXT be in it? We'll talk about the IC tourney in a little bit. I thought that Shayna's promo was hilarious. I thought it was awesome. Her saying that kid's gonna suck. Look who the dad is. Yep. I mean, I get the feeling. It's just my hunch. I'm not reporting anything here. I get the feeling they probably asked Becky, "Hey, can we can we use this for storyline purposes here?" But either way, Shayna rocked it. I thought that was a great promo. You know what? The thing that I got out of that promo more than anything was her telling Natty she's never going to have a kid. Yeah. And, and the reason I looked at that and I was like, okay, I don't know anything about Natty's personal life, but she's pushing 40. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and her and Tyson don't have any kids. Again, I don't know if there's if there's something, you know, if there, if there might be a problem or if it's a choice. But I was surprised that she mentioned that. I thought to myself, man, that's digging a little bit deep. It is. But it was a good yeah. line, too. Uh, She's a great heel, for sure. Korosami says, do you think Seth Rollins will leave as well for Becky's safety? I don't think for a while. I don't think toward until probably, I would imagine, just speculating, after Survivor Series, they'll probably be like, go home for a while. Uh, help Becky. Take care of your kid. Yada, yada. And he'll probably pop back up at Royal Rumble, maybe. Right now, they're only doing TV. Yep. And so right now, and they're ro- rotating, what, live every two weeks or whatever, so... That's not that bad of a schedule, and I don't know if they're using the the, the company jet because I think he lives in Iowa. So I don't know if they're using the company jet to get him back and forth. Well, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if they are. That's not a tough schedule, so I think no. they'll keep doing that. I know with Daniel Bryan, they gave him like eight weeks. Mm-hmm. I think it was after his second was born. 
Yeah. Uh, so I could see them doing something like that for Seth Rollins. But at the same time, he's got some some clout. If, if he tells them, I want to take six months off, he's going to get it. I mean, that's just how it is. T. Smitty 3000 says, Becky being pregnant is a sign WWE needs to build up their female talent. When Stone Cold got hurt, Rock and Triple H were ready to go. Yeah, that's the thing. They have Charlotte, Sasha, Bailey, but the thing is, they're spread out across three brands now. The WWF yeah. had one brand back then. You're right. And they did. They had a ton of people ready, Jimmy, and WWE doesn't. It's so different now, though. I mean, we've talked about how just the, even the culture is different. The 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 cutthroat attitude's not there anymore. The the competitive nature is not really there. It's just a different. It's a different time. It's a different business. But there's one other thing I want to mention about this whole you know short term reading fix thing and you know Vince Man going with the brand extension. One other point of this I want to mention. Um, you know how he's notorious for changing his mind, and this has long been talked about. Everybody that's been involved with the company has talked about how he'll, he'll quickly change his mind on things. Remember that Q1 earnings call when he said uh, one of the reasons raw ratings are down is that they they introduce new performers and it takes time, right? Yeah, that was that was one of his one of his explanations. After WrestleMania, they started incorporating uh, guys into the show that either had not been on the show at all on Raw or they weren't really being utilized that much. Uh, and they were doing it because they had a limited roster, and so they they had to do what they had to do to fill time. So they were using Andrade and Angel Garza and Austin Theory was Zelina Vega. They had a they were a big act on that show at that time. Apollo Cruz was given an opportunity. They were using guys like Brendan Vink, uh, Ricochet, and Cedric Alexander became a tag team. They were using those guys. Though all those guys fitted what Vince McMahon said, uh, maybe arguably with the exception of Ricochet and Andrade, maybe. As far as new talent takes time, right? But look at every single one of those guys. Look at how they've been used. They've all lost most of the time. And so yeah. I, look, I look at that and I think to myself, so are the ratings down because you incorporated new talent or are the ratings down because you're creative as shit and you don't know what to do with this new talent? And I, I would say the latter. I would say right. the latter. I, I've right. been bitching about 50-50. I've been bitching about jobbers beating these guys for no reason because Brennan right. Vink and Shane Thorne came back and lost a six-man this week. And whatever, MVP never wins. Who cares about that? But, like, at some point, I, I don't want to watch losers on TV. No, that's and, just it. You don't. And 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 even though Cedric and Ricochet got the win, it was R-Truth who scored the pin doing the dumbest, stupid, little Ricky fake teeth bullshit. Yeah. And that was the focal point of the match. Like, Cedric now, and Ricochet, as soon as the pin happened, they were gone. I'll have people say, oh, well, there are, pe there are people in AEW that are that – are 50 50 and or above barely at 500 yeah but they they've established that their records mean something and it's more nba than it is ufc because ufc fighters don't fight every week and wrestlers do but when you 50 50 everybody and nobody gets momentum then you tell me the week before the pay-per-view momentum is so important heading into a match like this no. but then a person loses on the pay-per-view, and they immediately get a title shot. What does that tell me? Well, it tells me that momentum doesn't mean jack shit because you're going to give somebody a title shot anyway. It tells me that momentum doesn't really matter at all because everybody's 50-50, so never, nobody gets momentum. It, it sends a bad message. There are just some people that are better than other people. Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson did about 700,000 buys because... They, they're they exciting, and Tony Ferguson was better than everybody. That's pretty much it. It, cer row, yeah. it certainly wasn't because of Henry Cejudo and Dominic Cruz. <laughs> that I assure you. Uh, but it, it just sends a really bad message. But you guys can send a message if you all want to send a super chat. We've had plenty of them. Uh, we're getting to the last couple right here. Kyle says, talking or going back to a topic a couple years ago, but Sean, what did you think of the – uh, Kurt Angle, Desmond Wolf feud in TNA. Would you ever write something on that? Much love from Scotland, uh, helping with WFH. I, I probably wouldn't write anything about that. It probably wouldn't do. I, honestly, my time is better served doing shows like this or something like that. If it comes up in a retro review, I'd definitely cover it. But it's not something I'm going to dedicate a lot of time to because it's it's not going to get that return for what we do at Fightful. I'm not going to say that nobody will. If we get to the point where retro reviews are, are a top draw or something, then I'll do that. But 
I liked it. I thought Desmond Wolf was great in TNA. It's a shame his career ended early, but yeah, I, I liked it. And Rob Wilkins rounds out the super chat saying, Jimmy, when you started to watch wrestling, who were your favorite? Sean, is it true that Vince has a problem with tag team wrestling or is that a myth? Yes, he has a problem with tag team wrestling. I, I have an interview with Mordecai and he was being called up with Tyson Tomko in 05. And he says that he went into Vince's office, presented a bunch of ideas for the team. And Vince said, no, fuck that. I don't want tag team wrestlers come up with something else. That was 04 rather. And he came up with the Mordecai gimmick, but, uh, Jimmy, but it wasn't wasn't uh, one of Hunter's initiatives with uh, NXT back in the day to kind of bring tag team wrestling back. Yeah, uh, and that's because they hadn't been utilizing tag team wrestling, and and this is going back years. I remember, wasn't it mid '90s? It was either the Smoking Guns or the Body Donnas or the Godwins oh. that had the titles because they only had three tag teams. Yeah, well, they had the That's new rockers. They had. they had the new rockers. I remember they brought in the Bushwhackers in 96 for their tag title feud because I feel like the Smoking Guns, one of them got hurt or something. Might have been. Oh, that 19, I remember it was a 1996 tag title feud. And if I find the teams, it was it was very, very funny how bad it was. It yeah. looked rough. Yeah, and, and again, you think back to, say, 87, uh, 87, 88, when they had so many phenomenal tag teams in that company, mm-hmm. so many incredible ones that the Killer Bees, who were a damn good team, never got a, a whiff of the titles because there yeah. were just so many good tag teams. Uh, to answer Rob's question, I was initially an Andre the Giant guy. Uh, he was, uh, you know, a larger than life in more ways than one uh, athlete. I got to see him live a couple times. And later on, Macho Man Randy Savage. I was always more into Randy Savage than I was Hulk Hogan. Uh, and so Macho Man Randy Savage, uh, I thought he was great. And of course, like, like all other preteens, I had a crush on Elizabeth, you know? <laughs> so, uh, those were the first ones that I was into and the Bulldogs. I was a big British Bulldogs guy. They were my favorite tag team of that era. Speaking of the Bulldog, he and Owen Hart were in that tag tourney. Hakushi and Barry Horowitz. I remember. Yes. The million dollar team of one, two, three kid and Tatanka. Uh, the teams that you had mentioned, they put together the new rockers for that, that, and then Razor, Ramon, and Savio Vega. And when Razor got suspended, they replaced Razor with Steve Austin to help continue the, the Savio Austin feud, which was actually really good. I loved their feud in 96, but they brought back the Bushwhackers for that, <laughs> that tournament that this may surprise you, Jimmy, the body Donna's won. There you go. There you go. Against the Godwins. Them, the them, the Godwins, and the Smoking Guns. Yeah, yeah. they were, they always the belts were just going in a circle. It was at yeah. that time. I uh, I want to talk about UFC 249 from last Saturday, and I'm not going to talk about the results because this is not an MMA podcast, and you can go to Fightful.com for other results. Yeah, I want to talk about it in terms of COVID 19 logistics because I know that the sports leagues were paying attention, and I think pro wrestling was probably paying attention too to see how it played out. Uh, and so I want to talk about it. I found it very inconsistent. And I know Dana White uh, in the, uh, the post-show press conference, he was questioned about some of the things that I'll talk about in a minute. And he basically said, well, it was our first one. We're learning as we go, which is fine. But the inconsistencies I thought were stupid. Like they were, they were, they were very avoidable inconsistencies. And I'm very curious to see what's going to happen within the next month. Yeah. If there's any repercussions from this show. Uh, so we're going to have to see. So if anybody didn't see UFC 249, they had way more people in the building than WWE does or AEW. And the one thing you have to remember is that WWE, what you see on camera, that's not all they have. They have yeah. a whole uh, production staff there and directors and you know people on the boards and stuff like that. So they have more people than what you see on camera. UFC had a ton of people in that building. And... There were so many inconsistencies with it. Uh, You know, like, for example, they had three commentators. They had them sit on separate sides of the cage. But then when they were at the start of the show previewing the show, they all stood together. And even Joe Rogan, who I love because Joe Rogan doesn't uh, mince words. Joe Rogan was like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, why am I standing here with you guys now? But then they're going to make me go sit over there. You know what I mean? 
Like it didn't make any sense. And another thing about this show that was very telling to me, Sean, and I'm going to be very interested to see what happens with the sports leagues. Joe Rogan was supposed to interview guys after fights from uh, like a remote location or yes. whatever. And it was going to be done like a podcast type thing. All Joe Rogan had to do was complain and mm-hmm. use his stroke. And he was in the cage doing the interviews after the fights like normal. Yeah. What's going to happen when the NBA restarts and LeBron James doesn't like something the way they yeah. do it? What's going to happen when well, the NHL restarts and say Sidney Crosby doesn't like something the, the, the way that they want to do it? If you're able to use your clout to get around the social distancing measures they put into place, that's a bad look, man. Big time. And, and LeBron's got that type of stroke to where he can do that. Absolutely he does. Absolutely he does. So I thought that was a bad look. And quite frankly, I thought that was really bad on Joe Rogan. Yeah, I did too. Um, and, uh, and so that to me was very telling. And then, of course, we heard that there were three positive tests. Oh. Uh, one of them was Jacare Souza. He's one of the fighters who was supposed to be on the card. They pulled him from the card. Turned out two of his cornermen also tested positive. Uh, and what ended up happening, in case you're not a UFC fan, UFC issued a press release about that positive test result. And I want to read this one little line. They said, from their arrival, meaning Souza and his cornermen, from their arrival earlier in the week until their departure today, Souza and his cornermen followed UFC health and safety protocol, including practicing social distancing, wearing personal uh, protective equipment, and self-isolating whenever possible. A video was then posted on social media by Fabricio Verdum, who's another Brazilian fighter, uh, in the hotel. Everybody was hanging out together, including Jacare Souza. Now, granted, in that clip, he was wearing a, glo- a, mask, a mask and gloves, but number one, that that proved that what the UFC said was bullshit. That's number one. Number two, that doesn't necessarily mean that he was wearing a mask and gloves every time he interacted with anybody. Yeah. Uh, and so that was pretty bad. And Dana White even said, quote, the optics obviously look really bad on that one. He said about that video. So these are all examples to me of these inconsistencies that were going on. And a lot of the people that were in that building, Sean, either they didn't wear a mask at all. Or they had a mask on and they had it pulled down below their chin. Yep. Like a lot of them, a lot of them, like people sitting at ringside for whatever apparent reason and cornermen, either no mask at all or it's below their chin. And I just saw that thinking, man, like who who dropped the ball on this? Like this is – they're not following any guidelines. Yeah, athletic, athletic commission members, obviously they have to be there. They need to be wearing masks. The team needs to be wearing masks. Everybody should be wearing a mask except the commentators, I suppose. They, there ain't no reason they couldn't have scaled back the number of team members allowed to walk somebody out even more. Ugh, it's so frustrating. There were, there, were, there were dozens and dozens of people in that building. Yeah. And that was just what you could see on camera. You know, that's not even the uh, talking about the directors and, and producers and all that stuff. Just the ones on camera, dozens of people in that building, a lot of them not wearing masks. And the thing people got to understand is that these tests are not perfect. We've seen a lot of false negatives and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, I just I thought to myself, I Dana White afterwards said it was a big success. And obviously 700,000 buys is what they're reporting. And that's a big success. But I want to see in, say, four weeks from now. If we start to hear about, oh, that guy tested positive and that guy tested positive and that guy tested positive, because they're not slowing down on this. They're just they're going to be pumping out shows every few days in order to make up for the time that they lost. And as Pro Wrestling Unlimited says in the live chat, even though he didn't pay us nothing, he says, I never once saw Dana White with a mask on. It's true, too. Jeez. And and I love their embedded series. I mean, it's always really good. It, it's it's fantastic. And it showed the links that they went to. But they also undermined a lot of that. Like here in Kentucky, specifically where I live, Jimmy, it's almost miraculous how how fortunate we are. Like up into the mountains, up into West Virginia, we're super lucky. So when our governor is like, hey, well, we're not going to let the 50% in the restaurants that a lot of people are. We're letting 33% in. People are like, oh, why, if we're doing so good? Well, because he wants us to continue to do well. UFC is taking all these fantastic measures and then under... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply mining a lot of it and yes. that's that's very frustrating to see and they're better than that they've they've got they've got the money to do better than that um yep. throwback 27 has the money to send a super chat and says jimmy what would you do if someone actually subscribed to the five thousand dollar fightful select tier i would honor whatever the tier is i remember so so the first thing that i should say because i i know that a few uh people in the past have kind of ripped us about that tier oh yeah that's a joke tier. Yeah. That's not meant to be real. And as a matter of fact, I think I told the story about the $1,000 tier. I had to hit up Justin Roberts to see if he really would do the ring entrance again. Yeah. Uh, because I hadn't talked to him about it in so long, and we didn't think anybody was going to actually subscribe to it. So the $5,000 tier is a joke tier. But if somebody did get it, we would honor it. But now, granted, yeah. we can't do it until the pandemic's over. Yeah, because that involves flying somebody out. I had to yeah. actually move up that that thousand dollar tier to a fifteen hundred dollar tier because justin roberts doesn't come cheap these days Jimmy. <laughs> and well he actually yeah, he actually told me he's because he used to do uh stuff like that a lot he yeah would, like do recordings for weddings and stuff like that when he started with AEW, he stopped yeah uh, he told me this uh, story backstage yeah. at AEW when i got oh, my hair oh there yeah. you go there you go he approached okay. me because uh, he had known me and stuff from via you and yep. he, he had told me that story, but yeah, I should probably revise that and look at it because the Jeff Jarrett laser engraved guitar ain't in great shape anymore. <laughs> One of my cats well, knocked it over and uh, it broke. As soon as we get off Patreon, uh, we're going we're just going to have one price, just like yep. you know some of the other paywalls people might be familiar with. So we're going to get rid of the tiers and just have one monthly price, and then that will kind of take. Yeah, care that, of that that'll be that, and I'm I'm very excited about that. Oh, I can't wait because. When we get on Fightful.com, when Fightful Select becomes a paywall on Fightful.com, there's so much more stuff I can give you guys. And oh, there's so much, much freedom, yeah. and there's so much more stuff that I can make exclusive to our subscribers. Because like our match ratings and stuff, I would love to just make that Fightful Select, but I want that documented on our website. So right. I don't want to just put it up on Patreon. Throwback also says, SRS, I will buy a Bengal jersey if Gronk has the 24-7 title through the Super Bowl. What do you think about the state of Arizona opening up to professional sports? I'm not that educated about the Arizona situation. I miss sports a lot. I wish I was watching baseball games and stuff. This was going to be the first year I went to Reds opening day ever, and I didn't get that chance. And you know what? It sucks, but ultimately people's health is more important. The Gronk Super Bowl thing, Jimmy, it wouldn't surprise me if he did keep it at least through then because WWE might want that publicity. They'd be dumb not to keep it on him through then. You don't need that title on your show. And, and you never know. He might be afraid to take a schoolboy roll-up from R-Truth. <laughs> yeah. He might, he might uh, pull a hamstring or something. Yeah, because, I mean, he's he, he didn't want to do that spot that equated to a two-foot drop. And Vince had to go up there and show him how it was done. Yeah, you know, the only thing I will say about that, you and I talked about that off the air, and we kind of, you know, poked fun at it, but the only thing I will say is, obviously, he knew then he was going to return to yes. football, and so he was probably being really, you know, cautionary about, oh, man, if, like, I get injured and I got to call my agent, yeah. it's going to blow shit crazy, so I can kind of understand it, but at the same time, Sean and I were talking about it, you had all of these big guys standing there, and they're ready to catch you. I would have done it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's not that's not a hard spot to pull off. No, it's it's but, not at all. It's definitely but he had not. a lot of money on the line. And I got more on that coming to fightfulselect.com this week, guys. Make sure you guys subscribe because uh I got a ton of uh news coming your way. Also, more quick plugs, Leo Rush and John Moxley interviews dropped on Fightful this week. Full interviews. And we've got probably between the two of them 10 different stories that are going to run over the next few weeks. There's just we've had so much stuff. I've got wrestlers hitting me up for interviews now, which makes me very happy. I'm I'm very excited about that. Awesome. There's another note about the UFC I want to mention. Um, do you remember when WWE first resumed their tapings? And I asked you if you could find out a specific thing for me. Do you remember that? 
There are a lot of specific things you ask me to find out, Jimmy. Okay, I asked Sean to find out if they made the talent sign a waiver. Mm. That was like one of the first things I asked Sean. And Sean came back and said they didn't, and I was shocked. Mm -hmm. I was shocked that WWE was that, quite frankly, stupid uh, to leave themselves liable like that. So the UFC, as it turned out, did make everybody sign a waiver. Uh, And to me, again, this is a no-brainer. Now, granted, the UFC, there's even more risk involved than there is in pro wrestling uh, because everybody's sweating and bleeding all over each other and everything. But uh, they made them do it. It was an eight-page event participation agreement, and it included a non-disparagement clause, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Basically saying, basically saying, if you talk shit about the way we did things, we have the right to withhold your your money. And uh, I thought I I heard about that, and I thought, no brainer that they did it. I'm surprised WWE didn't do it. Usually WWE's on top of stuff like that, so I was surprised they didn't do it. But it was what it was. Do you think Henry Cejudo is going to go to WWE? Be Mighty Mouse? No, no, I don't think so. I, I just don't get it. He's a very good fighter. I just don't get it, man. This guy gets in his own way so much. So much. He refuses to fight anybody anymore worth a fuck. There were four people that should have got title shots over Dominic Cruz. He had not fought since 2016. Since Fightful existed, he had zero wins. That's four years, man. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Peter Yan, Aljamain Sterling, and everybody's like, oh, they're not names. Uh, I'm sorry, do you think Dominic Cruz is dragging in the buys? Because, spoiler, he ain't. UFC lost that trade with 1FC. Because Dominic, or D- Demetrius Johnson, 3-0, and he could have had a rubber match with Henry Cejudo that people would have cared about. And he says, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to fight five more years here in one championship. And the best thing that they got out of that trade, the UFC did, was Masvidal knocking out Askren. That's the best thing. And that guy was on his way anyway. So not only did they cripple their flyweight division, they they rendered their bantamweight division real weird. Real weird. Boy, that guy just... I, I, I just pushed a button on... I, oh, I it's... All I did was ask if you thought Henry Cejudo was going to go to WWE. No, I'm just so annoyed, man. Every time he calls somebody out, it's somebody who isn't relevant or doesn't win or anything like that. And he had a good win over Marlon Marias, and I like that. But now he's like, ah, you know what? I'm going to retire. But money talks. No, man, not for you it doesn't, buddy, because they probably ain't going to give you that money. With all due respect to him, I mean, he's a great athlete and an and Olympic gold medalist. But with all due respect to him, he's not a draw. Nobody and gives he, a shit about Henry And Cejudo. the thing is, I think he could be a draw. Oh, he's got personality and he's got talent. He, you're right. He could be, but it's just not. And there he's were all these people doing, oh, greatest of all time. And I'm like, one of the best under yeah. 135 pounds, but so is Cruz. So is Faber. So is Mighty Mouse. There's a lot of people there. Him beating emaciated T.J. Dillashaw and Dominic Cruz, who hadn't fought in three years, doesn't say something to me. Him beating Marlon Marias and him beating Demetrius Johnson does. Him not going back to flyweight because he didn't want to fight Joseph Benavidez, who beat him, mind you, doesn't say a lot to me. So I don't want to see him in WWE. I don't think WWE wants to see him there. They wouldn't know what to do with him. They wouldn't know what to do with him. And the funniest thing about all this, Jimmy, a lot of people don't know that WWE recruited Henry Cejudo. They wanted him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They wanted him for that Mighty Mouse role. The irony of that is Vince McMahon has always wanted that Mighty Mouse. UFC had an actual guy named Mighty Mouse. He was the best fighter in the world, and they were like, nah, nah, we'll trade him for a guy who's been retired for a year. Yeah, the problem with Mighty Mouse, he was so vanilla as a personality. That was kind of the problem. And you know what's interesting? I think of a guy like Dean Malenko. Mm-hmm. Dean Malenko is a funny son of a bitch, yeah, man. Yeah, he is. And like, like I was in Vegas there, and, and you talked to him at one point, and I was just kind of watching and stuff, and, and he had interactions with so many people there, and he was cracking everybody up. Such a funny guy. But then on camera, he played this stone-faced kind of boring guy. And Mighty Mouse was similar. I would see Mighty Mouse do like real life interviews outside the cage. He's got 
uh, personality. Yeah, a lot of it. But for whatever reason, he wasn't able to translate that into the cage for some reason. And so he just wasn't able to really draw a lot of money. That's just... I don't know dare, what it is with some people. Dare I say he did in the cage. Do you remember when he threw a man up in the air and then caught him with an arm bar? Not, I, not he really. He did. He threw. He had a waist lock. He launched, I think it may have been Horiguchi, up in the air and caught him midair with an arm bar. Against Henry Cejudo, if you all go back and watch that first fight, it was it was nothing like the second fight. It was embarrassing because all Henry Cejudo talked about was gold medal wrestler, gold medal wrestler, gold medal wrestler. So in that fight, people were like, oh, he's going to keep his distance. He didn't. Demetrius Johnson closed the distance, got into a clinch with him. Henry Cejudo took him down. And if you watch that fight, Demetrius Johnson was like, I'm kind of bored here. I'm going to launch you three feet up in the air now. Kicked him. Kicked this Olympic gold medalist wrestler up into the air from the bottom. Need him repeatedly. Like if it happened in a video game, Jimmy, you'd unplug your controller and throw it through the wall and say, fake, not real. Stop spamming that knee over and over again. He had those elements. It's just, it, UFC did not fairly, uh, properly capitalize on that either. What you just said was a great segue into my next topic. I did not and still don't really know who Tom Segura is. <laughs> uh, I don't know how he's famous. I guess he's a comedian. I just have he's never a heard comedian. of him. Okay, I I never heard of him. Uh, I saw the rant, and I saw like Sam Roberts, you know, uh, was really mad about it. And I saw you posted stuff on social media about it. I'm sure people are familiar, so I don't really need to go into it. He basically shit all over pro wrestling and pro wrestling fans. Here's my question: I saw a, a video of him like whenever the next day or whatever, where he said he loves wrestling. Was he just being sarcastic and saying he loves wrestling? I think so. Or, or is or is he a wrestling fan? I think he's being sarcastic, but. Okay. A lot of people said a lot of different things, and they were all pretty stupid about that. They're saying, well, he's a comedian. Well, if that was a comedy bit, it was a shitty comedy bit. It just – it wasn't funny. There was no punchline. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't find using the term retarded in a derogatory sense very funny. I, he, I th- compared, he compared WWE to the Special Olympics. Yeah, and you know what? The Special Olympics has a lot of really great athletes that work really fucking hard to be there – Using that in a derogatory term is stupid. There, it wasn't funny. It was it, that's the thing. It was corny. Like we just watched the Dark Side of the Ring, where in '85, Doctor D was slapping John Stossel for saying wrestling was fake. That's the thing. Like it was like the plot of Ready to Rumble from 20 years ago. Like wrestling fans know it's not real. That was his basis. And I had people say, oh, well, his point was that wrestling fans are overly sensitive. And I'm like, no, idiot. That's your point. That's the point you're making, pretending he made a point. He didn't make a point. His point was that he thought that wrestling fans were retarded. And if it was a joke, it was a shitty one. And he's a much funnier guy than that. I don't... It was a troll, maybe. That's what it was. But it wasn't a joke. really... He got a lot of attention, and and sure. again, like I didn't know who the hell this guy was, and I saw all these people. Like he got so much attention from the yeah, yeah. you know online wrestling community. But uh, so he's a comedian. I honestly don't know who he is. He's he's, he's a, a comedian. I, I've watched his podcast a couple times. When Dane okay. Cook was on there, Dane Cook was. I think he talked about how his brother yep. conned him out of millions. I watched that story. It was very good. But I watched yep. that because of Dane Cook. I think I've watched Bobby Lee on there a couple times. The thing that I thought I always think is ridiculous is when you get those fucking wrestlers that are like, come on, I'll show you how fake it is. And I'm like, oh, come on. But I mean, I I had Ziggler did decent. Ziggler says something like if you ever want to talk about it or something. Ziggler's a comedian, too. He understands that. Abyss was the one that was like, anytime, buddy. (laughs) But like the thing is, if I had people that also said, well, it's a comedy podcast. So and I'm like, wait. That, that's not like – you can't just go, oh, it's a prank, bro, after you do something stupid. It, it reminded me of the, the Talladega Nights line where he said, well, I can say whatever I want because I said with all due respect. It's in the Geneva Convention. Look it up. It, just because he's got a comedy podcast does not mean he's exempt from getting shit on from saying stupid stuff. And if he wants attention, so what? I don't I don't give a shit if he wants attention or not. If he wants attention, that's what he got. Good for him, but yeah, yeah. I thought it was stupid. I thought it was yeah. really stupid. It was corny. Too. It was played yeah. out. 
like I, you know this about me. I don't really get offended by anything. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't offended at all. Like no. Sam Roberts, I saw a clip from Sam Roberts. Sam Roberts was mad. Like he was legitimately mad. I'm not mad. I'm not offended at all. I just thought you have to understand in this landscape, you know, we, we live in a very sanitized kind of landscape uh, where you just got to be smart what you say. And he did, yeah. you know, throw around the word retarded and you, you don't, you just, it's not something you say. Anymore. I've said, I've said plenty of stupid shit that I yes, feel that, that I feel bad for and I've learned from and all that. I, I've ghost written for comedians before in the past and I've, had some pretty crazy material that, that's been given to me and I've given back to people. But the thing is, the thing that offended me was how shitty the joke was. I was like, that's what you're relying on? You're relying on that? Like, yeah, I don't even know if I saw a joke in there. I'm not sure what that's, the hell that That's was. the thing. Yeah, I was like, yeah. this isn't funny at all. Yeah, yeah, uh, no. uh, Bacon oh, Rasher, well. hold on. Bacon Rasher says, are you ready, Sean? An hour and a bit to go, man. Rooting for you, and I'm now a subscriber here after your first appearance over on Quizlemania. Love the work here. Hey, I appreciate it. Um, getting a little bored of all yeah, this winning. And, uh, I'm getting I'm getting a little tired of the stupid two o'clock Eastern time slot, but I'm doing it. I'm doing it for Sean Rossap. I'm doing it for Fightful.com. You're doing it for me because there's no place I'd rather be for three hours every Wednesday during a pandemic than you know not with my wife or my beautiful cats or all that. <laughs> Rob Wilkins says, you're not kidding about Cejudo. He wants me to fight him, and I don't draw. Just look at my OnlyFans account. I could really use a Jim Ross plug, to be honest. Have you seen that Jim Ross plug in Sonny's uh, OnlyFans? No. <sighs> I thought you were going to continue. No, nah, that's it. That's, that's where point. it ends. I heard Roman Reigns is doing cameo now. Good for him. I mean, he's he's got a coin. What the hell is he doing cameo for? He's why got why why is that like a negative thing, Jimmy? Ah, uh, I guess I just I I guess I didn't expect you know Roman Reigns, given that he's got two newborn twins, he's probably busy as hell at home, and and he's made some good money. I guess I just never thought. That yeah, it would him. suck for him to keep making two hundred dollars for a minute video, right? Is that what he is that what he gets? He gets two hundred. He gets whatever cut out of two hundred and fifty. He cleared two fifty. Okay, he cleared fifteen hundred his first day. How do you know that? Because it shows you the videos that are public on his cameo page. Oh, and you can see that he had really? at least six of it. He had seven reviews, which means at least seven people ordered that. So he got a smooth fifteen hundred his first day. Oh, good for him. Good for him. Uh, all right, so we're going to go to stupid people, and uh, you know, a few weeks ago, I had said if anybody wanted to contribute their own rendition of the stupid song, I would air it for you guys. We have one this week. This is from Matthew Ryan Reynolds. i got to say, man, this guy's got some chops. Yeah. He's got some musical chops. He does. pretty damn good. So uh, this is going to be the coronavirus edition part six. Sean Ross app, <laughs> and it has never been easier for me to find super people stories than right now during this pandemic. So I have to do the old iPad again because I do not have uh, Camilla producing for me. But here is Matthew Ryan Reynolds' uh, rendition, and this is this is quite good. Blown away when I heard that. Pretty good, man. Damn. Pretty good. So there you go. So, uh, Sean, two of the three stories I got for you this week. Yeah? I would almost think they're not real. That's usually usually how it plays out. It is, but these are so mindlessly stupid that you would think that they're not real, but they're real. And I always vet them, and I always like check for multiple sources. And okay. I'm not the journalist. I'm not the journalist Sean Rossap is, but I vet my stories. I'm a wrestling media shit poster. That's that's what I do to Fair. to expel any responsibility from myself. Well, this first one was reported by WSB-TV Atlanta on April 30, and this is crazy, man. This is crazy. We've talked before about uh, Georgia State Governor Brian Kemp. Yeah. 
Now, I want to make it clear I am nonpartisan. I do not talk politics and religion on this podcast. Brian Kemp, to me, comes off like a real dumbass. Uh, you know, but first he, he didn't know after like six weeks that you could be asymptomatic. Oh, yeah, him. Uh, then he was, I think, among the first, if not the first states to open. And now here's another one from uh, Mr. Brian Kemp. So because of multiple closures, various closures due to COVID-19, the state of Georgia had a backlog of 30,000 road test applications. All right. What did Mr. State Governor Brian Kemp do to try to get around this big backlog of road test applications? His dick fell off. <laughs> this is this is real and it's amazing. He dropped the road test requirement for teenagers applying for their driver's license. And according to CNN, nearly 20,000 teenagers have now received their driver's license without taking a road test that is one of the dumbest things that's gonna oh my god so do you know have you ever heard that stupid ass argument that some people have oh well i might walk outside and get hit by a bus so why can't they really might now atlanta look out yeah that's a legitimate thing because Everybody are like, oh, well, you can get hit by a bus. Why not? Why do I worry about COVID? Well, one, getting hit by a bus isn't contagious, but it might be now. All I got to say is I don't know anything about his campaign when he got elected, and I don't know what he promised. Oh, I don't know what his accomplishments were. If he is up for re-election, because I don't know if he wants to uh, go in again, yeah. but if he's up for re-election, if he gets re-elected, then the citizens of Georgia deserve everything they get. Yeah, this guy, because this has got to be the dumbest politician. And there is a lot of dumb politicians. Oh, yeah. We I mean, we just had a governor. We live in a super, super Republican state in Kentucky. And he was so inept and shitty and bad that he narrowly lost. Like they could have ran a steam mop against any Democrat in Kentucky and he would have got voted. But this guy was so bad. He got voted out. I think that's probably where old boy Kemp is about uh, headed. He's got to be the most inept politician. He's that, up that there. I think I've ever heard of. And this is all within a period of like a month. All these things have happened mm-hmm. in like a month span. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. This next one, this was reported by the Miami Hurricane, uh, which is the student newspaper of the University of Miami on April 30. This is one of those where the the process is dumb as opposed to the person at the center of it. Yeah. Kind of, although he did something stupid. But So there's a professor at the University of Miami. His name is uh, John Peng Zhang, or Mr. Zhang, they call him. He was conducting a business analytics class over Zoom. Everybody's doing Zoom classes yeah, of now, course. right? He shared his screen with the students, and they spotted something unexpected. Oh, no. What they spotted was a bookmark tab. And you could only read the first bit of text, you know, because the tab is too narrow. The mm. first bit of text that you could read on that tab was, quote, busty college girl F.U. <laughs> That's what you could read on the tab. <laughs> busty college girl F.U. Do you remember that when that happened with JBL? Somebody took a picture of his laptop screen at Raw. And no, he, had, remember, he but... had searched for some female bodybuilder nude on the yeah, screen. With JBL. Don't surprise me with JBL. I know yeah. stories about JBL that I can't tell you. I, oh, I think of course. I hinted to you one time. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so as uh, Professor Zhang continued to teach the class, various students took video clips showing his tab, showing his screen, posted it all over social media. Um, the TikTok original video garnered over 800,000 views within just a few hours. A couple of days after all this happened, it was time for the next Zoom class. Mr. Zhang is inexplicably absent he gone. from the class. Yep, and then there was a statement released by the university saying that he had resigned his position. Probably forced to. Probably. And I heard that story and I thought, for what? Yeah. What did he do? He didn't do anything. The only thing that he did was be stupid enough to to leave it on his bookmark tabs. That's private. It's private. I I don't care what he does in his private time. Uh, I agree. Unfortunately, him sharing that screen made it a very public time, but yeah. I mean, one thing if he shared his screen and while he's got that tab up, he's like naked from the waist down masturbating on, you know, during the class. Yeah. All it was, was just a tab on his, it's so the, it's the interesting thing is I read the story and now a lot of the students are actually have, they have a lot of guilt about it 
Because, you know, students do stupid shit and they don't think about it. So a lot of them have a lot of guilt. And oh, I guess, them have... guess their students don't beat off. Right, right. <laughs> well, apparently a bunch of them went to the school. They're trying to get him his job back and all of that. But, uh, you know, what's done is done, I guess. This last one, Sean. Let me just say this, Sean. I mean, just the same. Wasn't that last story? One. Wasn't that last story the plot of Goodwill Hunting? I don't recall. It wasn't. It oh, okay. Wasn't, I don't recall at all. <laughs> this last one, Sean, mm-hmm. let me just say this. I understand that this pandemic, we're kind of learning as we go with a lot of stuff, and I get all of that. Sometimes decisions are made that you know are stupid. Yep. It doesn't matter if we're if this is the first go-around or not. Somebody's got to know that some of these things that they're doing are stupid. And this last one is a perfect example of that, right along with the uh, – Brian Kemp letting 20,000 students, teenagers, get their driver's license without a road test. This is right along these lines. Reported by Fox 11 Los Angeles on May 2. Did you know, Sean, that back on April 6th, okay, the state of California moved to set bail at zero for most misdemeanor and lower-level felonies because they wanted to limit the number of inmates in jail sure. so, that they, so that they could limit the spread of the coronavirus. Did you know that? So yes. on April 6th, they declared, okay, if you're uh, arrested for a lower oh limit, God. a lower level felony, uh, zero bail policy, you're basically going to get a citation and that's it. Yeah. Right? So on the morning of April 29th, officers in Glendora, California, responded to a call of a man attempting to break into a car. They arrived on the scene. They saw a 24-year-old guy named Dijon Landrum trying to drive away in a stolen car. So they caught him, but due to the zero bail policy, they issued him a citation and let him go. Yeah. About an hour later, officers in Glendora, California, get a phone call about an unknown man walking through the front yards of homes carrying a box. Uh-oh. Officers show up. It's 24-year-old Dijon Landrum again. He's got a box full of stolen property that he had stolen from these houses. Because of the zero bail policy, they issued him a citation and let him go. Several hours later that same day, the officers in uh, Glendora, California, got a phone call about a vehicle that had been stolen out of a parking lot. They tracked it down. They, it, it led to a police chase because the guy tried oh, to get boy. away. So it led to a police chase. They were able to stop it. Who was driving the car? 24-year-old D. John Landrum. He was arrested for being in possession of a stolen vehicle and for evading officers. And guess what, Sean? Dijon couldn't cut the mustard. Due to the, Cali- <laughs> Due to the California zero bail policy? Oh, my God. He got his third citation of the day, and they let him go. That's amazing. That's amazing. How does this... Ah, come... Who is running these things? So Who much determination. I admire it. This is he's not like, the dumb one. <laughs> no, because he knows he can get away with it. Yeah. He knows. Like, is it going to take him stealing a car and then hitting somebody before yep. they actually do something about it? Yeah, felony. My God. Ugh. After this, go to FIFOSelect.com. Uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about because we didn't get to a lot of stuff on the podcast. Oh, Holy yeah. shit, we didn't get hardly anything on the podcast. So we're going to talk about uh, some AEW stuff. We're going to talk about New Japan. We're going to talk about Curtis Axel. Very interesting topic mm-hmm. about Curtis Axel I want to talk to you about. Uh, we're going to talk about some Impact Wrestling uh, and the hacker gimmick, the WWE hacker gimmick. So we're going to talk about all of that later. Last thing on my list because we're running a little bit late, but I want to mention uh, Money in the Bank for a, for a minute. Okay. And again, not doing a full review. Go to Fightful.com. They have it. I want to uh, ask you about two things. Number one, does Bray Wyatt care about the title? I don't know. Like, do you think in terms of, say, storyline, does Bray Wyatt actually care about the title? No. Because I look at it like this. So he's wrestling Goldberg in Saudi Arabia as the Fiend. He gets beaten two minutes. Yes. As soon as the pin occurs and Goldberg starts celebrating, he pops right up. Yep. Which tells you that he must not have been that hurt if he was able to pop right up. And then he did his finishing act and he was gone. Then he gets another title shot with Braun Strowman at Money in the Bank. And everybody's like, well, why would they put Bray Wyatt in title matches? Like, he shouldn't have a title. Goes out there as Bray Wyatt. And Bray Wyatt, for the most part, always gets his ass kicked. 
except I think one match with Daniel Bryan where he uh, where he won. But otherwise, he typically gets his ass kicked. Goes out there with Bray Wyatt and gets beat by Braun Strowman. I thought to myself, does he just not care about the title in storyline? You know what I mean? Otherwise, why are you popping up after Goldberg pinned you? And why did you not go with as the fiend who's supposed to be like the invincible side of you? to challenge Braun Strowman for the title. None of that makes a lick of sense to me, Sean. None. He had done it against Rollins. He's done it against Goldberg. He's done it against Braun. They make him look stupid or that doesn't he doesn't care. Yeah. No. I don't uh, get it. To answer Throwback's question from earlier, I do think that Raw wrestlers will be involved in this Intercontinental title tourney. Any quick pick for you uh, as to who will win as they have stripped Sami Zayn of the title and now a tournament will be held? Yeah, I was going to talk about that. I mean, I, I was expecting it was just going to be a uh, SmackDown title. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's going to be on Raw, now, even if it's well, going to be on Raw, is it still going to be SmackDown wrestlers in the matches because of the brand extension? I don't know. I, I'm just, okay. He just asked if we thought that Raw wrestlers would be in it. I think I think okay. they will, just as, a, just as an excuse for more brand crossover. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, which I should never do because Vincent Mann <laughs> is 75 years old and should not be overseeing creative for this company. But I'm still going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, no, they'll leave it to SmackDown guys because they've got okay. the U.S. title on Raw. Yeah. But when you when you look at the list of guys that could potentially win, uh, a lot of them – there's a lot of guys that fit the Intercontinental title, whether it be Cesaro, Daniel Bryan, Dolph Ziggler. I think Dolph Ziggler would be a good choice uh, for Otis to cash in on because yeah. of the storyline. But uh, Dolph Ziggler, Drew Gulak could be an interesting choice. Jeff Hardy could be an interesting choice. It'd be it'd be uh, weird for them to not put the Miz in it, considering he's one of the most storied Intercontinental Champions ever, too. Yep, the Miz, Sheamus could be a choice. Shinsuke Nakamura could be a choice. <laughs> AJ Styles imagine. right now must be the AJ Styles might be. Uh, oh, he's on Raw. AJ's yeah. on Raw. Yeah, yeah I is. forgot. But, uh, no, there's a lot of guys that, that could potentially win that title. I guess we'll see. Knowing WWE, I could see it being Jeff Hardy. I could see them going yeah. with him. Yeah, Jeff Hardy uh, and Sheamus in the finals. There you go. I could see that being the match. Well, yeah. this is the finals of the list in your boy 170. We have the list goes on at Fightful Select. We have a ton of stuff at Fightful Select. You should probably subscribe. Hit our all-time best numbers this month it's going really well so we hope you guys can join us for those of you who asked we don't have a timetable set on when we're moving it to select yet but uh it's being it's being worked on we're we're throwing around some ideas and it will happen i've been talking to my senior engineer the last two weeks about it Mm -hmm. uh and sean knows there are a couple things in queue ahead of it uh right now for my dev team but we're putting the groundwork in place for it now so i can't give you a timeline i'd like to say within the next three months but yeah, I uh, can't wait. Until next time, guys, join us for the Wednesday Night War. I won't be there, but the rest of the team will. I'm covering UFC tonight. Until next time, we're out. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.